Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to episode 169 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a show about how Latinx pop culture is reshaping mainstream entertainment. Hello, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and on this episode, I am so psyched to have on the show Cuban-American Gloria Calderon Kellett, arguably the most important Latina creator-producer Hollywood has right now. She is known as the co-creator of the critically acclaimed remake of Norman Lear's One Day at a Time and also serves as an influential voice advocating for better image representation for Latino voices in Hollywood. And now she is premiering her new Amazon original series called With Love. It's a U.S. Latino Nancy Meyer-esque holiday series that is perhaps the best American Latino TV show I've seen so far. The first episode is flawless. She gets it, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this fascinating conversation where she details exactly how she got into the mainstream television business and how she gained the confidence to dream even bigger. But before I talk to Gloria Calderon, it's time I give you my weekly recap of the top Latinx pop culture headlines in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie TV music news of the week. Warner Brothers and DC Films' Blue Beetle, the first film to center on a Latino superhero, will release in theaters August 18th, 2023. Wilmer Valderrama to executive produce and star in a reimagined Zorro series for Disney. Selena has been inducted into the National Film Registry of the Library of Congress. Gina Rodriguez's Diary of a Future President canceled after two seasons by Disney+. Shakira to lead a new NBC competition series called Dancing With Myself. Eva Longoria to headline Searching for Mexico at CNN Plus, The Santos of Chicago, a Latinx family drama from Jorge Reyes, Pharrell Williams, and Ben Silverman is in works at NBC. The Ana de Armas Ben Affleck movie Deepwater is heading to streaming. Nicaraguan American Gabriela Revilla Lugo will write a new Mattel family drama called Christmas Balloon. Netflix signs a development deal with Latina Kalinda Vasquez and Fast and Furious 10 will be released May 2023. And in tech and social media news, TikTok tests PC game streaming app that could let it take on Twitch. Spotify to turn radio broadcasts into the podcast. Instagram is rolling out a new profile embed feature that allows users to embed a miniature version of their profile into a website. Apple delays full office reopening and is giving every employee a $1,000 bonus. Ubisoft is remaking the original Splinter Cell and Disney Plus now supports Apple's new group watch feature, SharePlay. 
So you've heard my gripes throughout the years about how American Latino programming is scarce and usually not representative of all Latinos. But this week, a new show by Gloria Calderon Kellett on Amazon Prime Video called With Love is probably the best example of how to do a Latinx show right. Hi, Mom. I told Carmela about your breakup. What? She's gonna tell everybody. I heard about your breakup. Well, who needs Bumble when you have a bunch of Latinos doing the dirty work for you? The concept is original. Five episodes set during several holidays throughout the year follow siblings Lily and Jorge Diaz as they experience the highs and lows of life and love, beginning with Noche Buena, New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, the 4th of July, and Dia de los Muertos. Its vibe and feel remind me of like a Latin Nancy Myers, The Holiday, starring Cameron Diaz. I'm not sure if you remember that movie, which I've never seen replicated in a Latin frame like this until now. It's such a great show, Gloria, that I have to begin with, how did you come up with this story idea? It really came out of the pandemic first. Uh, I had been I had been writing several different things and and talking to Amazon and we incubating a bunch of different ideas and nothing quite was quite feeling right. And then it was Christmas last year. It was last year around this time, around December of last year. And I realized like, oh, I'm not going to get to see my brother at Christmas. I'm not going to, we're not going to do Christmas this year the way that we always do Christmas, which is big and celebration and jamon and like all the stuff. We're not going to get to do that this year. And then I was just thinking about how much I missed my family, those big gatherings where, you know, I remember the the party, the my MO at a family party is I arrive, I find my two favorite cousins, we're like, get pasando. <laughs> did what? What's the cheese man? What Theo did what? Well, who did what? Give me the cheese, give me the juice, give me the juice. Yeah. Uh, and then it's uh you know, betting on, okay, how quickly until Tia tells me I've gained weight, how quickly until, you know, like whatever the thing is, but love, love, love at the root of all of it. So I, I was missing that, right? Missing that. And at the same time, I, when I'm feeling the heaviness, I go to entertainment that is light and joyful. I want to laugh. I want to feel good. So I'm watching When Harry Met Sally, I'm watching Love Actually, I'm watching Elf, I'm wa all those things that I love. And it was like, damn, this shit is white. <laughs> white? Yes. <laughs> this is some white Christmas right here. Where yeah. is, I mean, we had our, our, our Latin, we had what, Home for the Holidays 20 years ago? That was the last yeah. time we had Latinos in anything that was holiday related. How, when we are so big on celebrating holidays, and then couple that with my Instagram feed, which for the last two years has been pretty consistently, you know, black and brown and queer and Asian bodies in trauma. Seeing hate crimes, seeing, um, you know, what's happening in Cuba, seeing uh, so much, so much happening. What's happening at the border, what's, what's happening, happening in the government, border, what's the division. Families, what's happening, families divided because of politics, all this heaviness. And I said, you know what I really need? I need us to be at the center of the joy stories. I need us to be able to go, oh God, I need a minute. What can I watch where I'm in it, where I see myself in it? And that's what I went to Amazon with. I said, I would like this to look like how my family really looks. I would like this to look like how my extended friend group really is. And uh, that's what I want to do. I want to tell holiday stories. 
And they said, well, what do you know, what are you thinking this looks like? And I said, you know, initially I was thinking just Christmas, but our New Year's I've never seen on television ever. We true, talk true, on never. the bus, we, no we all do all these funny, hilarious traditions that I don't even know how they got started. Oh, el de la suba. Shotgunning the grapes, walking with a suitcase around the block. And I got all my, you know, neighbors going, but oh, what's she doing? Like the crazy one over there. <laughs> o coge la sal. Yeah, the, the, all, like... of this, all of the stuff, <laughs> the, the water, the throwing out the water, the, all of the things. I said, I got to do New Year's. Yeah. Well, it's a rom-com. I got to do for the, I got to do uh, uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, on and on. So I said, I think I would like to focus on this brother and sister. And then it, it extends, it builds out from them. And I want it to cover a year of this family's life through the lens of the holidays. And they were like, how quickly can you make it? And I said, let's do, let's go. I'm So right they now. were open to this. I Jack, I pitched it in January. We I had a room in February. Aquí estamos. I mean, they were like, go girl, go. And I, I, we moved so quickly. This show, the casting was so joyful because it was so many people who were, I mean, the amount of actors that, you know, Constance and Benito have been around forever. How did you end up getting this amazing cast and then the chemistry to just fit in? Because you're also sending a few statements here. Well, the characters were written as such, you know, I was like, I really, I've been wanting to do, we had uh, several Afro-Latino characters in One Day at a Time, but they were side characters because the, you know, it really, the package of the multi-cam sitcom is you're focusing on the six characters and everybody else is just coming in and out. This, I really, from the get-go, wanted to bake it into the show. And Santiago uh, is Mr. Darcy. You know, I wanted to create a, a um, honest and unapologetic and close to his father, um, lover of books and reading and knowledge, um, works with his hands as a carpenter. Um, and I really wanted to also show father-son, two very different father-son relationships because I did a lot of work with the women. On one day at a time, I got to show a lot of mother-daughter mother, granddaughter, I got to really explore that over the course of the five years I did one day at a time. So I really felt like, oh, I owe it to my brother and my dad and all the beautiful men in my life to show them themselves as well, these incredible layered relationships. And so it was really important also that, you know, these are things only you and I would notice, but right. uh, Latinos would notice, but like, they're also business owners, you know? Oh, yeah. Latinos started more small businesses in the last decade than anybody else. So. Santiago, the Zayas boys have their their construction company and they make furniture, bespoke furniture. The, the Diaz family owns a beautiful restaurant that's third generation. So they've been able to build generational wealth so that they have a nice house and are more upper middle class. Socioeconomic situations that we rarely see Hispanics involved in. I mean, we had Grand Hotel that did a great job in sort of illuminating that high end Hispanic, that elite Hispanic. Acapulco's doing it with Eugenio Derbez. We've seen him do it. But there's something very special about the way you're spreading it out, you know, within these families. It's like a it's like a dynasty, like almost in the making, you know, it really it really stemmed from that. It was just baked in. And so uh, and then I went on a, a hardcore search um, because, you know, technically we're not allowed to ask what people are. Uh, producers are not allowed to ask actors. So how did you handle that? Uh, I was I was very clear from the get go of what I was portraying. So I said, listen, I, I can't look at somebody's 23 and me to know what they are, but I can say you are portraying 
and Afro-Cuban. And what was really moving to me is the amount of black men who reached out to say, I love this part so much. I would have learned Spanish for you, but I don't want to take this away from an Afro-Cuban. Yes. So I'm step away. And I'm going to yeah. allow, I'm not Latino and I'm going to step away. I mean, wow. a lot, oh, a lot of really high level black actors stepped away because they were like, we, we know that this is important. So we're going to allow, we're going to, but Gloria, wow. if you have any so, other thing, you know. So what we're also talking about here is that the black community, the Latino community are really now unifying each other within this artist, artistic moment that we're going through and supporting each other. That's what I'm hearing here. Yeah, so Andre Royo and Rome Flynn are actually Afro-Cuban. <laughs> so Wow. And then they're very different father and son. To, uh, to really further talk about how we're not a monolith, they have a beautiful, loving relationship that's very different than Jorge and Jorge Sr., uh, than the other men on the show. Uh, and so it was really important to show how different we are, too. Now, talk to me about the Latino-Asian love that's going on here. The, the, the lusting after the Asian male body. That is something that we've been talking about in Hollywood for a while now. And here you give it to us, but within the Hispanic element. Well, I mean, I have cousins who are half Japanese, half Cuban. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I know, uh, I know how important that is. And I've seen them battle with their own identity as well when they're out there um, because there's four, it's four girls. And the oldest one looks more traditionally Japanese. The second one is darker skinned with curly, curly hair. So people actually think she's black a lot of the time. Uh, you know, they all, all the girls look really different. And uh, the, the what are you conversation? I mean, I thought I got it bad. They get it real bad. Like, what is the, you know, what are you? A human, a person <laughs> that is multicultural. Um, and then uh, I had seen an interview talking about this very thing about the, the desexualization of the Asian man and how we on American television rarely see an Asian man kiss a woman. Henry was written as Asian. I was open to East Asian or, or South Asian. I was open. Uh, and we got the amazing um, Vince Rodriguez III, who is Filipino. So he is actually uh, Hispanic. And yes. Asian. That's um, right. And then the part of, of Desmond, Desmond came in to read for Henry. Uh, the part of Nick was written for a white guy. And I was having a really hard time. I was seeing a lot of very beautiful white guys, beautiful white guys. And it, uh, he came in for Henry and I said, he's not Henry, but I think he's Nick. And then I was thinking about the conversation about like, how powerful would it be if my sexy shirtless guy was actually an Asian guy? Yes. And he uh, he just crushed the role. He's so charming. He's so sexy. He's so lovely. Sweetest guy. Sweetest guy in the world. Because every five minutes, I'm like, I'm sorry, honey. You got to take the shirt off again. <laughs> Bless oh, my God. Heart. That's so, so funny. Sweet. Such a sweet guy. Um, and so it just it just came together like that. Now, let's talk about Isis King, who crushed it. You have a hetero white man falling in love with what looks to be an Afro-Latina. I was, I was trying to figure it out at the moment because it hit me. It's like, oh, they're Afro-Latino. Is she? And then trans. I was like, whoa, okay. So she is really sending some statements that all that stuff that you think could, ne could never happen, well, they're going to happen. And they're going to happen here. Explain the the thinking of wanting to include this were you making statements to hollywood yeah i was i was saying that this is what the world looks like 
this is really what the world looks like. Um, I, I mean, I would be very hard pressed to find families where there's just one gay person in the family. If you have a big family, uh, you know, then uh, take a look. Uh, and so I just had met over the course of my time at One Day at a Time, I had met so many wonderful trans actors who spoke, who we were able to share a common theme and that we were constantly misrepresented on TV, constantly. You know, I, I was an actor when I came here, Jack. I wanted to be an actress. And it was Latina gangbangers, it was gangbangers and drug dealers, and that was it. And I was like, uh-uh, I gotta hold the pen. The thing, I, I need change in my lifetime. I'm not gonna play these marginalized roles. So I need to be on the other side so that I can write them. And I had such, I, I was on a panel with Our Lady J that really stood out to me where, where she was saying that, you know, if you're trans and you're watching TV, you're either a prostitute or you are a body in a morgue of a CSI episode. And it's like, here is this brilliant musician. I mean, Our Lady J is like next level musician and a writer and an incredibly funny, smart, epic human. And that's all that she has to look at. Hmm. That's no, 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 no. You. <laughs> no. So I had some trans characters on on one day at a time. And again, it felt like, oh, I can bake it in here. I can make it a cousin. I can show a trans storyline. I can show a cis straight man falling in love with a trans non-binary person. And, uh, you know, we, we just have to look and, and, and search, you know, that that was probably the hardest part to cast. And Isis is just an angel on earth. Um, Isis has such an incredible story and, uh, you know, was homeless but before they were on Top Model and uh, is, is also one of the most stunning creatures you will ever see. I mean, beautiful, so beautiful. Wow. Um, and was so excited and so down to to play this role. And we we recently heard from Glad that it's the first holiday rom-com to feature a trans love story in history. Wow. Okay. See, so you're you're this is what this is what I'm saying. It was like Gloria came to play. Because that was the that was the one thing I was I was like going, okay, I know this is the story of a Hispanic family. But it doesn't feel so Latino like we've seen before in so many other that they're making sure that the Latinidad, the identities are so Latino that everybody understands, hey, we need to celebrate that Latinidad. But they're celebrating it, but it seems a bit more subdued within your lens, within your writing style. I just style. feel like it's, you what you were, it's what you were saying early on, Jack. I think it's American Latinidad. It's the balancing of American culture with it. And uh, and how do you come up with that sweet spot? I just in my life, right? Like <laughs> this is what I sound like. My parents came here speaking no English, and this is what I sound like, right? Like this is one generation. This is how I sound. Um, so it's just it's it's there. The misperceptions of Latinos are insane, and we have to talk about them. These shows hopefully spark conversation. You know, right now it's like you think that we're the only people trying to get into this country from other countries. That's not true. We're not even the we're not even the biggest import right now. We're not, you know, 80 percent of, yeah. of U.S. Latinos are citizens. People don't know that 67 yep, percent of us were born here. We're born here <laughs> like you wouldn't think that by watching TV. We are slowly becoming, you know, the we are the majority minority and we are slowly becoming a third of this country. Right now, we're a fourth of it. We're 20% of this population and 5% of what we see on TV. And of that 5%, they're still wildly marginalized. So we need to do this type of storytelling to let people know that we are here in various shades 
in various socioeconomic backgrounds. We need to be having conversations, lifting up not just ourselves, but other people, which is why I love that we have two AAPI uh, men in this show. I love that we have two LGBTQ people in this show, because I think Latinidad, what we need to know is we need to link the diversity arms. within the Latinidad we diaspora. To, yes, yeah. we need to link arms and say we are in this together. We rise together. And with wrapping it up, for me, it's it's hiding the hiding the broccoli and the mashed potatoes. It's wrapping it up in what feels like a familiar yes. Nancy Myers rom-com. Yes, yes. It, and you're not even knowing that like you're eating a bunch of nutritional food because you're just having a good time and you're laughing. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh shit, did I just wait? <laughs> or do I have to have some conversations? Like, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you just, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel love and warm and good music and makes you want to eat good food, but also that you're having some interesting conversations with your family at Christmas time. You say that like so normal, like, yeah, anybody can do this. They have never done it. They've, it's never been done. This is like the best Hispanic American family show I've ever seen in my life. I mean, oh if I was like, you would say, oh, yeah. down. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. It's like, well, that's not, I mean, I was trying. So that <laughs> <laughs> I tried real hard. That's what I can say. Let's talk about you. You're in the show. I believe you play Gladys, correct? Yes. Did you write, were you, when you were writing it, were you saying to yourself, oh my God, I want to be a part of this really fun atmosphere. I, I need to insert myself and just soak it all in. I want to be there with them. You know, it, was, it came, it was very organic. I didn't, out, out the gate, I did not think I was going to be in the show because we were moving so fast. Uh, and then what happened is uh, I, I, we were just pitching, I just kept on pitching jokes for Gladys. And Andy, my, my number two on the show was like, well, obviously you're playing Gladys. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, you know, it's a small enough part where I can pop in and do it and then I can go back to the monitors. Okay. And it was the, a blast it, to sit in there. I mean, it, it was really emotional when we were shooting the karaoke scene where it was all of us in there because all of us had been COVID tested. It was, you know, we were wearing masks and shields on set. You know, everyone's very safe. And during the shooting of that, we got to take everything off because we were all tested and we all had tested negative. And it was the first time in a year and a half that I'd been with people and this beautiful cast who I was so uh, enamored of and were singing and were eating and drinking. And it felt like this is what I, <laughs> this is what I've been needing, um, this connection, this laughter, this camaraderie with one another. And every single actor on that show was very aware that we were making something special together. Now you got Glow Nation. Yeah. How many projects do you have with Glow Nation at this moment? How many, how many are you working on? Four, well, four at Amazon. One, it, one is a movie with Natasha Rothwell who stars in Insecure at HBO Max. I have a movie with Natasha and then I have the four shows at Amazon. The dimensions of these stories, are they still the Gloria Calderon uh, mantra of storytelling? Or are you at one point trying to just branch out and say, hey, you know what? I kind of want to take a break from my, my 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 way, my style of storytelling, and I want to explore something completely different. I'm trying to broaden it. Um, you know, the horror of Dolores Roach uh, is was a podcast with Daphne Rubin Vega and Bobby Cannavale, and that is a Sweeney Todd story um, that is really talking about the prison industrial complex and black and brown people being put in prison for minor 
uh, drug effects. Mass incarceration. Yeah. Mass incarceration. We saw the Ava DuVernay 13th documentary yeah. that really sort of yeah. focused in so, on that. You know, you have this character <clears throat> and it's played by Justina Machado, who's, you know, my sister, uh, who was the lead of my last show. She's so brilliant. And she plays somebody who went to prison for weed and gets out. And now weed is being sold in like the Apple store of weed. <laughs> like, it's true. She gave up 16 years of her life for something that now white people are making a ton of money on. And it's a commentary and it's dark and it's funny, but it's saying something. It's it's saying something. It's giving the world a Dexter that is a Latina that has a reason, a real reason. It's not just because she's evil. She's not. She's a victim of circumstance. And uh, her situation has put her where she is. And I think it's a super compelling uh, character. So we're waiting on that. The pilot has been shot and hopefully Amazon will pick that up. But I think it's a really interesting and compelling story. That's not the lighthearted stuff. It's about murder and <laughs> putting, right, people right. In, putting people in empanadas and eating them. But, um, you know, but it's 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 still has something to say about this moment. Um, you know, the same is true with Verona is three Shakespeare stories happening simultaneously, but set in high oh school. Oh, my God. These are so, awesome ideas. Awesome. So Verona, our Verona is set outside of Miami where it's hot and humid and sexy. And uh, you have this very, very wealthy Latino family, the Del Castillos, and the oldest daughter is modeled on Lady Macbeth. The middle daughter is modeled on Ophelia and the youngest daughter is modeled on Juliet. And over the course of the season, their Shakespeare stories play out, but through the lens of these young women that are in still a very patriarchal society where the guy that plays Hamlet, the guy that plays um, Macbeth and the guy that plays Romeo are are in the backdrop and we're really focusing on these young Latino women that come from immense wealth from you know rum barons uh and what does that look like and how how can we make Shakespeare accessible to uh to communities of color and I think telling it through this lens is a, is a way to do that but making it soapy and fun and sexy because Shakespeare plays were all of those things yes um so that's Verona and we're waiting to hear about that one and then we have blowing up which is uh is loosely based on a Jane Austen novel um but is you. but is a young queer latino uh who's a makeup blogger and uh he's just trying to make people beautiful and and set the and match make and it's a big fun um animated musical comedy uh set in high school so we have a little the range a range of animated and then the movie with Natasha Rothwell um is you know Natasha is is one of the greatest uh, actresses we have right now in comedy. She's absolutely brilliant. She's she steals every scene scene in Insecure, and stole every scene in White Lotus, which she was just in. Uh, and we, he, she, she and I were hanging out, and she was like, "What were your favorite movies growing up? We got to find something to do together." Yeah. And I said, "I love John Hughes movies." She's like, "Me too." But I was Molly Ringwald. I was Molly Ringwald. You know, we were bonding over that. And then I said, "You know, in Chicago." you would think that there would be some black and brown people in Chicago. And I was like, you, you think like the camera, if you just turn the camera this way, like that's where yes. all the black and brown kids were, but just the white kids were on camera. And she goes, that's it, bro. <laughs> so the movie's called We Were There Too. And it's about a little black and brown girl <laughs> that are best friends in a high school in Chicago in the eighties that are falling in love. And in the backdrop, you'll see a, a, a redhead walking around, but the story's not about her, it's about us. Uh, so those are the four projects that I, the five projects that I have. Yeah, I think you're our John Hughes. Funny that right, so, 
Yeah, Juanita Hughes. There you go, Juanita Hughes. That that's that's my nickname for you. Let's talk about Juanita Hughes for a second. <laughs> Your profile has been rising and rising and rising like crazy. Um, how have you been handling that rise? That 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 people listen when Gloria's speaking now. Well, tell me about that journey between that moment where you wanted to probably tell stories and have people listen to now. I, I want to be a part of this. I want to support this. You seem to have the support of the industry. I, I do now. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm not a spring chicken. I'm 46 years old. I just have the Latina patina. So I look like a little baby. <laughs> I look like a little baby, Jack. But, <laughs> but I've been doing it, you know, I wanted to, I, I started being, I started storytelling when I was 22. And when I, I went to grad school in London and I went to proper drama school. And when I came back, nobody was interested in the fact that I had a master's degree and that I had won some writing awards in London. Nobody cared. And so it was really me putting, hustling. Uh, putting up plays, uh, getting representation. I didn't know anybody in the industry. Uh, and so I put my, my head down and did the work. I went to the Museum of TV and Radio, which is now the Paley Center, because this is before Hulu and before Amazon, where you're able to watch all the old shows. I would watch them there. You check it's a yeah, lot. I would go in and just watch Frank Sinatra shows on ABC in the 1950s. You check them out. You can watch everything. They have everything. And I would break them down. I'd break down scripts and I would write my plays and I put up my plays in Hollywood. And I would, I found, I didn't have a lot of money. So I went to the theaters, I Santa Monica Boulevard. There's a theater called the Hudson Avenue theater. And I said, Hey guys, are you, when are you dark? And they're like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, there's nothing happening. And I said, great. How much to book the space for like a Tuesday or Wednesday? And they're like 150. I mean, there's a set. I said, I don't care. I won't, I won't touch the set. I just want the light in the front. 150 bucks. Great. When LA Weekly and Backstage West, I found out if you have a six week run of a play, they will review you. I wrote stuff. I cast it. I directed it. I produced it. My husband, who's a cartoonist, made the posters. I went to all my favorite charities and gave out free tickets. And then I booked those st stages every Wednesday for six weeks. Wow. And I got people to come out and assistants started coming out and then power players started coming out. And that's how I got my representation. That's how I got my first jobs. And I did that for 10 years. Every six months or so, I would put up shows. I would meet more actors. I would, you know, Todd Grinnell, who stars in With Love and starting One Day at a Time, did those plays with me back in the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a ride or die for me and a good luck charm. And that's that's how it all went down. I just hustled and I worked my way up. I was an assistant, a writer's assistant. I was a an assistant for a director. I was, then I got my first staff job. Then I went from, and I worked up slowly, slowly, slowly worked up until I finally had done 12 years of journeyman on all, you know, I was on How I Met Your Mother. I was on Rules of Engagement. I was on a ton of shows where I was learning, learning, learning. Eye on the prize, but learning, learning, learning. And uh, finally, I was like, I think I'm ready to tell my family story because before then I was afraid to, I didn't have enough power. I had seen friends of mine tell their family story. Somebody gets in there and messes with it. It becomes this sort of mono Latino. I don't know what. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to be able to tell it unfiltered. And then I got the call from really, I said it out loud. I said, I'm ready to do this. I am ready to tell the story of my family. And I'm not kidding you that week. I got a phone call to sit down with Norman. Wow. And I sat with Norman and I said in that meeting, 
I don't know if you should do this, Norman. I don't know if you should tell this story. He's like, why? Why wouldn't I reach out one day at a time? I said, because Latinos are hard, man. We've been hurt. We have been abused. Yeah. We are 20 countries under this umbrella of Latinidad. We, a show comes out about us and we are so starved for representation. We are mad if it does not fulfill every- That's what happened within the Heights. That's what happened within hard, the Heights. Right, it's hard. One show can't, one movie cannot make up for 200 years. It can't. We gotta build it. We've gotta build it. And so it puts a tremendous pressure on creatives because we there needs to be room for two things. We need to be able to understand progress and something existing and continuing the conversation to make sure that more can exist in the future. So he was like, well, what would what what would you do? So I laid out what I would do. And at the end of it, he said, well, let's do that. <laughs> and then bless his heart, bless his heart. He let me cast it the way I want to cast it. He, I walked through that kitchen and put the cafetera. I put the crosses. I put the all the Marie, wow. Mary, the popes, the everything, everything. I got a hand in. My parents' photos are all over. Photos from Cuba, um, photos of my abuela and abuelo. Um, and I really, those men, him and Mike Royce, the, my two partners on that show, everything they 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 stood by me and lifted me up, so that when it worked, they said it was her. We just listened to her. We just got out of the way and let it be her. And that is how Hollywood went. Oh, okay. Well, I guess she's, I guess she's legit then. <laughs> so now I'm at Amazon and I can say I'm legit. Cause those guys said, so remember the white people, they said I was good. Yeah. <laughs> white validation. <laughs> Norman Leary, a legend. He, he thinks I'm good. So he, he's, he's vouching for me. He's there vouching. You go. He's vouching. So let's do this. So, you know, it, it was, um, an overnight success that took 20 years. Uh, as a Cuban yourself, I'm sure you've been hearing about the backlash that's uh, that's been happening with the Javier Bardem casting and being the Ricardos with Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin goes on The Hollywood Reporter and he says that Spanish and Cuban are inactable. And that was very interesting because I can poke holes at that every day if you study the history of cinema and the actables of Marlon Brando playing a brown face, et cetera, et cetera. When you see casting choices like this, these are these types of cultural transgressions that I feel that are overlooked because they're not coming in from somebody who's Hispanic in the room. Yeah, yeah. So what do you what do you make of of this? What's annoying to me about what Aaron said uh, is that that sounds like a white guy that's not really interested in partaking in in nuanced conversation. That's what I'm annoyed by. I'm less annoyed by Javier playing Ricky, if the accent crushes, if he can crush that accent and crush the way he moved, I'm okay with it. Um, would I have preferred it be Danny Pino, which is who I would have cast? Yes, because Danny looks like him. He sounds like him. Um, that's who I would have cast. I also reached out to Amazon and said, I wish you would have asked me because I'm right here. Um, and uh, they said, I know, we know, we should have, we should have. Um, I was more offended by Aaron's comment. What right. I find difficult though, is that again, we are on Latino talent in a way that we are not on white talent. We don't watch a sitcom and go, wait, wait, hold on. That white guy has Germanic ancestry and that white guy has Irish True. ancestry and they're playing father and son, I'm out. We don't do that. So it is a real, um, it's really upsetting to me that Latinos that can play Justina Machado is Puerto Rican and she played me on one day at a time who is Cuban. Right. 
anybody who hangs out with Justina and I are like, are you guys sisters? You guys are so much alike. You guys are so much alike. The truth is I saw a ton of Cuban actresses. None of them embodied my essence like Justina. So was I personally comfortable with her playing an American Cuban that grew up in Los Angeles? I was, I was. Would it have been better if she had been Cuban? I don't know, but I'm not going to, I, I, I take offense at the fact that we are turning, that there's so few parts for Latinos already that right now we can only play exactly what we are. Yeah, that doesn't seem very fair to me either, man. That doesn't seem very fair to me either. Now, if it works out, that like in my show, I happened to get two Afro-Cubans to play Afro-Cubans, amazing. If those guys had been Afro-Panamanian, I probably would have changed it. What if one was Afro-Panamanian and one had been Afro-Cuban? Holy shit, now what do I do, right? And remember, Jack, we're not allowed to ask. So technically, we don't know what people are when they're coming into the room. So this is a complicated thing that I understand. People want the accent to be right. People want the essence to be right. Because they've screwed it up so much. Because they've screwed it up so much in the past. You also, in I Love Lucy, have an Australian playing an American. Nobody seems to be mad about that. True. So I think we need to look at it. What we're really mad about, I don't, look, Desi's family was from Spain. He was born in Cuba, but his ancestry is Spanish. I can buy Javier because it's not like he, it's not like Desi's people came and, and intermarried with Taino people in Cuba and he has a different ethnicity. I bet you his 23 and me is Spaniard, right? So from an ethnic perspective, Javier is fine. Now, if I watch it and I'm not getting that Cuban accent that Desi had that's iconic, that's what's gonna piss me off as a Cuban. Mm. I want Desi to sound like Desi. That for me is bigger than Javier being Spanish or not. But I understand the anger. I understand the commentary, I do. But I think if there were a ton of things for us to watch where we saw ourselves represented, we wouldn't get so upset about the minutia. It's because there is so little that when something comes out, we want it to be about us. Of course we do, and that's valid too. But I think this is a much more nuanced conversation to have. And I wish what Aaron Sorkin had said is, I hear you guys. It was yes. something we thought about. It was something we talked about. We found that in talking to Desi's daughter, that her father had Spanish, had, was, while he did grow up in Cuba, his, his parents were Spaniards that ended up living there. But he is, we're gonna make sure that accent is right. And that we, we hear you and that's what, if I had gotten that answer from Aaron, I would have been like, cool. Cool. But it was like, mm, that sounds like too much work. I don't want to. That's I'm not I'm not here. Right. For right. Here like for he that. just he was indifferent to it. It's like, hey, listen, let's like, just get rid of this. Too hard. And, I don't want, and then he kind of tried to throw <laughs> under the bus a, 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 a creative at Amazon, the one Latina that's in the there. one Latina because it was a Brazilian or something. But we're like going to throw yeah. it. We're going to throw her under the bus. Come on. Come on, man. Just be just be open to the conversation. Be open and also trying to explain to people there is a nuance to conversation. There's also look. When you come here in your first first generation, you know, we found this with a lot of actors that we were that we were meeting with. When you come here and you are a first generation kid, the odds that you've gotten to go to drama school are slim. That you've gotten the luxury, the privilege of getting to do summer stock where you're learning all is rare. So to we have to invest more time in the education of the arts for our communities to start to build more because 
I still have to account for the white people that I'm selling my show to. I don't pay for my show to get made. Other people pay for it to get made. So that's why casting for me, I am very hands-on with my casting because I know that it's gotta be, it's gotta be tight. I've gotta be able to defend every single person that I hire and they have to crush so that I can allow it to go through. So the higher ups, okay, it, which is what I did. But every Mark and Delicato is not hundred percent Mexican. You know, Emerald is Canadian Mexican. Constance is 10th generation Mexican. Benito is from New Mexico. Like we're still like, we can't all be exactly the thing. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't, we can't because we are making, we are building the house while we are living in it. So there needs to be grace that is giving to creatives who understand the complexity of the conversations, but still have a job that we have to do and have to try to do it in the most ethically responsible way possible and understand the importance of the nuance of what we are saying and be open to say, listen, yo, Rita Moreno, I would have loved, look, Rita Moreno is Puerto Rican. She played my mom on the show. Yeah. Look, Rita and my mom next to each other, twins, A, B, give me the Cuban EGOT. Oh, we don't have one yet? I'm taking Rita Moreno. You know what I mean? Like we 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 are and i wouldn't change that cast for anything i loved exactly what they did i loved it i thought that they played the Amer my american experience and the story of my community beautifully and that those are the questions that you're talking to yourself about when you are in casting when you are talking in fact a lot of my parents don't sound like miami cubans so mm -hmm. i also had a lot of my parents sound like west coast cubans which is less it sounds a little bit less aggressive it's not you know miami Miami Spanish is so aggressive. Um, <laughs> like we don't sound like that on the West Coast, right? We sound a little bit different. So what Rita was doing was much more true to how my mother sounds. So for me, it's the sound. It's the um, it's the nuance of having the conversation. Did I understand when people would come up with like, why didn't you cast all Cubans? I said, because I cast the best people for the role. And some of them are Cuban and some of them are not. And I love the show and I love the story. And eventually I would be earnest in my conversation with people. Um, they, they, I chose those actors that they were not put upon me. I was delighted. I was honored to have those women play me and my mother. And um, the fact that they were, the, that they were Puerto Rican, the fact that, that my grandparents were on a boat and Huthina's grandparents were on a boat and mine landed in Cuba and hers landed in Puerto Rico. It's not going to that's, that's that's not going to bump me. Um, and I think that uh, we need to be having the conversation with one another to understand that the excellence of the show is what has is what will stand the test of time and do more for for my community than than anything else. The name of the show is With Love and it premieres on Amazon Prime Video on December 17th. Gloria Calderon Kellett, thank you so, so much for the interview. Thank you. So nice, Jack. God. And just before I wrap up here, here are three land tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Eso es un vibe. Omar Quartz. Mm -hmm. 
malo. Me pongo para la rumba contigo hasta el cielo. De corazón que me zumba cuando te voy a ver. Quiero comerte esa boca con un caramelo. Y que tengo un par de cosas que quisiera hacer. Poema, Las Villas. Para poderte ver, Maré, Ana Mancebo, Sobrino y Julio César. That's it for episode 169 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Gloria Calderón Kellett for stopping by the show. And if you like this episode, please share with your friends and have them subscribe and leave a review. Your help is valuable in helping us reach many more listeners. If you'd like to get in touch with me, reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.